0: The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. Pastor Jamie Smith, and I'll be doing the third part of the series, Into the Neighborhood today. Really excited to be here. I want to start with this. If you're honest, be really honest with me, you have a similar struggle to me. How many of you have the tendency to lose things? Come on. All right, well, the, well, the kids are honest. Someone in the church is growing. Thank you, Tracy. You do? Whether it be your wallet, uh, I lose my phone. I lose my keys. I lose my keys so much that our former secretary, Renee, she bought me a wireless keychain to fi- to find my keys, and I lost it before I put it on the chain. So I know I'm not the only one. I lose my car in the parking lot, in parking garages. You ever done that? Yes. It happens all the... I have to take selfies of me and my car and where I'm parked. But how many of you have ever misplaced something that was very special to you? Okay, it's happened. Um, In that moment, when you lose something that's special to you, you get this terrible feeling. Um, As I was thinking the idea of lost things, it takes me back to Christmas a year ago, And it's a story I can laugh about. Now, I had mentioned to you before, but I'm going to mention it again because it fits. But um, every year, Kimber and I have the bright idea of going to the mall with our four children. God help my soul. I don't know why every year we decide it's a good idea, but every year we do. Um, I guess maybe it's to see Santa Claus, and you don't even have to go to the mall. Just go to Liberty. (laughs) But... So we get in the car, all four kids in the minivan. It's kind of like an episode of The Middle. I don't know if you're Middle fans, but get in the car. And I think it's to see Santa Claus, but embarrassingly enough, the girls were reminding me that the last Christmas that we went down there, my four-year-old daughter, Santa couldn't hear her, so she bit him. (laughs) So I am kicked out of MacArthur Center. But for some reason, we still go. And so, um, I was reminded of a couple years ago, last year, um, we decided to take our three younger daughters uh, to the mall. And we get into the mall, and we like MacArthur Center, and uh, all of a sudden, it doesn't take us much time, but we go into this, the girls rush to this god-awful store named Claire's. You know what I'm saying? It gives me a migraine to think about it. Have you been to Claire's before? So my girls love Claire's. It's this little boutique, okay, for, uh, for, they call it tweens. And they got necklaces and bracelets and fake eyebrows and, fa- I mean, eyelashes. I'm sorry. That's weird. You know what? They probably do have fake eyebrows. That's why Claire's. And they've got these friendship bracelets and journals. I mean, it is worse than Chuck E. Cheese, all right? And I'm afraid of the rat at Chuck E. Cheese. Um, so they're in Claire's, and they spend hours and hours and hours. And it's crazy, because just last week I walked in there, the craziest thing happened. I don't know why I'm going to shut this place down. So I'm walking in. I, I walk in one way, and Maylee walks in the other way. She's, you know, she's, uh, she's eight years old, and the woman comes up to Maylee, not to me, her dad, and he looks at Maylee, and he says, hey, sweetie, would you like to get your ears pierced today? <laughs> I looked at her. I said, would you like to keep your job today? How dare you ask my eight-year-old if she wants to get her ears pierced, Claire? (laughs) I'm like, listen here, Claire, I got something for you. All right, let's keep going. True story. (laughs) You guys always do this to me. Just, Just bear with me. So... We get to the Last Christmas, we get to Claire's. Uh, we were supposed to be there for 30 minutes. We're at four hours and 30 minutes. And at MacArthur Center, you know that there's a Starbucks right next to Claire. So I'm like, Kimber, I'm going to Starbucks. I'm going to drown myself in lattes and tell the church I love them. And so I'm over there, and an hour goes upon hour. I'm like, buy the bracelet. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, after like hour five, Kimber comes out. To, comes out she looks out and And she has this weird look on her face. She has this panic look on her face. And she goes, Jamie, I'm like, what? She's like, I can't find Kaya. Kaya was four years old at that time. If you know anything about Kaya, you're like, yep, that's Kaya. I always talk about her. She said, I lost Kaya. And I mean, I I don't know if you'd be willing to admit, if there's any other parents here have ever had that experience? Is it just me? Okay, it's just me. Um, don't call social services on me today, okay? Wait till after the service. We lost our little four year old in the mall. She comes out to me. She says, We lost Kaya. I'll never forget. My heart is just, uh, it, it was a feeling unlike I've ever felt before. I could feel sweat going down the back of my neck. The hair was standing up in my arms. And in that moment, you don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, what do we do? And I mean, and so I'm getting irrational really quick. I'm like, pull the fire alarm. Kimber's like, that's the dumbest idea. I'm thinking, where's the mall cop? I'm looking for Paul Blart on his little machine. Like, there's no mall cop. Where's the mall cop? And I'm thinking, and I'm getting irrational. And Kimber's like, calm down. I'm like, Kimber, I'm going to jump on the table and start screaming, and I'm going to announce a bomb threat. (laughs) And she said, you're going to jail. And I said, you're dang right I'm going to jail. I want to find my daughter. And So she said, calm down. You go this way, and I'll go this way. And the amazing thing that happened is I went from panic to I felt my fatherhood come upon me. And if you're a father, you know what I'm talking about. It was one of those moments that I got really clear. I mean, I honestly, I felt like Liam Neeson in the Taken movie. <laughs> I'm like, I will find you, and I, will, I won't say the rest. You saw the movie, though. And I'm getting clear, and my inner Jason Bourne's coming out. I'm like, I am on mission. And I mean, literally, would you guys be quiet? I'm gonna squat, Um, and so I just get on mission, I start, I start, like things in my mind are actually getting organized, and I'm thinking of a plan, and I become on mission for my girl, and it was amazing in that moment that I didn't feel fear, because my fatherhood just started rising up, and the only thing that was going to activate, only thing that was activating in me is I've got to find my girl, and I went on a, on a mission, and thank God it didn't take too long. Kimber went one way, I went the other way, and all of a sudden I saw this man. It was about four four stores down, and he looked at me, and he could tell because I was freaking out. And uh, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I'm thinking, yeah, "There's Kaya," and I'm thinking she's going to be so afraid, and she's going to be crying so hard, and she's going to be so devastated. And I see her, and she's laughing. She has the biggest smile on her face. And the guy said, Yeah, um, I, I assume this is your daughter. Um, she grabbed me and asked me if we could go find some candy together. <laughs> so I, I wasn't mad at her. I picked her up. It was like the best moment of my life. I just grabbed her, I bear hugged her, brought her into me, safe in my arms, my daughter. And then I bought her a shock collar. (laughs) And she wears it to this day. So if you see me in a mall with a leash and a shock collar, don't judge me. I learned some things about myself that day. One, I'm crazy. Okay, that's my first point. My second thing is, there is nothing I wouldn't do. There is no sacrifice I wouldn't make to get my little girl safe in her daddy's arms. There is nothing, there's nothing I wouldn't do. There's no extent I wouldn't go to get my little girl back in my arms. And the Lord was speaking to me about the message in Christmas. And I began to realize that this is the message, church, of Christmas. This is precisely the message of Christmas. Christmas is a story of the ultimate rescue mission, it's about God loving his kids so much that he sent his one and only son on a mission to rescue his family. Leaving the comforts of heaven, taking on flesh to come for us so we are no longer lost. Are y'all with me? And then I started to look at the scripture and I started to see it in the scripture. One of the clearest mission statements of why Jesus came. One of the clearest Christmas mission statements is found in Luke 19.10, where Jesus says this. Let me tell you why I came. Just in case you forget during Christmas, just in case you get caught up in the trees and you get caught up in the presents and you get caught up with all the parties, let me just tell you this. In Luke 19.10, he says, I have come to seek and save those that are lost. And that's the message of Christmas, and that's what I'm here to tell you about, that Jesus came as a seeking Savior, that from the moment that we fell into sin, he went on a full-blown mission with one purpose, to safely get us home, restored into a family. And that's good news. As Pastor John always says, it's one of my favorite things that he says, and I know it just comes from the Word of God and Pastor Scott says it too, in that in the beginning, God had a dream for a family. Someone that he could pour his love onto. And so it's the heartbeat of this church that you guys get to experience what it means to be part of the family of God. And that's why if you walk back into the youth room, I I encourage you to go back there. Kevin Herbin, amazing man of God here, he made us a three by five Big, huge, wooden sign back there. And you know what it says on it? It says, welcome home. Because we, the, the, the number of youth group kids that we have in our youth group that have no idea what a family is, no idea that there's a father in heaven that loves them, that there's a place for them that all 110 of them can walk in and the first thing they see is, welcome home. That's the gospel. And so, um, and, and, and that's why we're celebrating. One of the great Christmas passages in the Bible, and this is one that people don't talk about a lot, um, but this is one of my favorite Christmas passages in 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10. And it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the Apostle John, people say, how do I know God loves me, Pastor Jamie? How do I know his love is real? Yeah, we read about it, people tell me about it. You know, service, how do I know that he loves me? How do I know? Well, 1 John, the Apostle, the Apostle John, he says it like this. This is how you know, because he sent his son. This is how you know, because of Christmas, he sent his son, is there anything greater than that? And that's why we, as a church, have to be celebrating during this time. That's where hallelujahs should just be coming out of our mouth. Amen? Um, so the one thing, um, one, of my, one of my points for today is, the one thing that Christmas also teaches me and teaches us is that God takes the initiative. And this is a powerful thing that you must never, ever forget. Christmas is a reminder, church, to us that we didn't seek him. He sought us. Christmas reminds us that he didn't wait for us to come to him. He came to us. As Pastor Scott and the message has been talking, we didn't come into his neighborhood. He came into ours. And part of that is my testimony. Some of you guys know, it it, it wasn't until I was 19 until I got saved, but I can tell you guys, I didn't go seeking after God. I didn't go find God. I can tell you that from the beginning, even before I was born, there was a seeking Savior looking for me that I can remember as a, surfer, as a surfer growing up, and I didn't know the Lord, but I can remember surfing in Rodanthe and looking up at the sky and seeing this amazing sunset riding over, over the bridge, and perfect waves, and I remember saying, there has got to be something bigger than me. And he would show me this sunset and he was seeking me. The Bible says, I, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And that's the beauty of Christmas. He's the seeking Savior. Um, so, if you're a Christian here today, you, you're a Christian because God took the initiative towards you. And that's what Christmas is all about. And that's why we celebrate. So, don't give me this happy holiday junk. Are you all with me? I don't want to hear this happy holiday junk. I want to hear Merry Christmas. Yeah. I want to hear Merry Christmas because he has come. You know what? I get so frustrated at Starbucks, even though I love Starbucks so much. And I'm there all the time. And, and Starbucks last year, they, they told their employees they were not allowed to say Merry Christmas. So they changed it to Happy Holidays. And I was so frustrated, you know, paying five bucks for someone to tell me Happy Holidays. So I, I became a wise guy, and I'm going to tell you what I did. And I learned from the internet. Um, this was I'm not original on this. So I said, you know what? I'm going to hear "Merry Christmas." So I went into Starbucks, and and you know what happens at Starbucks? You go and you order your drink, right? And then they ask you for your name, and I and I said, my name is Merry Christmas. <laughs> And so, and then after I did that, I went all the way to the furthest part of the store. And I sat there and I act like I couldn't hear it. And when my drink came up and they should be saying, Jamie, he was saying, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Can I hear that again? And then I walked over, well, Merry Christmas to you too. <laughs> I was going to hear Merry Christmas. Oh, geez. Help me, Jesus. Luke chapter two, turn there in your Bibles. Merry Christmas. Luke two. Let's look at the shepherds. There's a, this is a powerfully illustrated, uh, the Christmas story. I'm gonna be taking a look this morning uh, at the perspective of the shepherds, which have the greatest announcement in the history of the world, the birth of Christ made through shepherds. To truly understand this, I'm going to give you some historical background, but let me read it to you first. Uh, Luke, Luke chapter two, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. This is verse eight. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy and that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Closs, I'm sorry. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem to see what has happened which the Lord has told us about. In verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger and when they had seen the hymn, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them but Mary treasured up these things in her heart and pondered them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen just, which were just as they had been told. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit, because I was stuck here with the shepherds. Um, when you you really think about this, this is powerful. Out of all the people to receive the greatest news in the history of humanity, from the priests to the kings, to the chief priests to the Sanhedrins. Um, I did a history, I was was reading history and one of the commentaries was saying, why not go to Caesar? He was the most powerful man at that time. He was the one who was telling people that he was the Lord. If you want to get an announcement out to the whole empire, you go to Caesar and you say, look, Jesus is here and he's the Lord. You go issue a decree, but God's not like that. The Bible says he chooses the weak things to shame the wise. The Lord went to the shepherds. As I did more study on shepherds, you start to realize this is so unbelievable. To fully appreciate this, you've got to look at the historical background. Every cultural historian will tell you that shepherds were considered the lowest of low on the social scale. They were poor, they were uneducated, said to be unskilled by the rabbis, and the rabbis would refer to them as ignorant, and I read this word, insignificant, You know, it's amazing how the people that God chooses, and I love this about God. Do you know one of the greatest evangelists in all the world right now that's leading thousands, and I would even say tens of thousands of people to the Lord every day is a man who was born with no arms and no legs. You ever heard of him? Nick Vujicic, and I know that's not right. That's Donna's name, I'm sorry. Um, He's this man who's born with no arms and no legs, he stands up all these different countries and the glory of God radiates from him and the anointing is so strong that I'm talking countries of people are hearing the gospel because of his obedience. And I love that God says, those are the guys I'm gonna choose. The outcasts, the people who are unclean, the people that doesn't look like could make the biggest, because if you're a PR person, what do you do? You go after the person with the greatest influence, right? God says no. I'm gonna use that guy so my glory might be manifested. I love that about God. And in fact, if you look at the scriptures, Jesus doesn't refer to him over and over as a priest and a king. You know what he calls himself? He said, I'm a good shepherd. That's the name Jesus gives himself. Is that good to anybody here today? Because as the scriptures say, not many of you are wise and influential, but God chooses the weak things of this world to shame the wise. He loves the outcast. That's Christmas. So I learned a little bit more about, about, um, according to the Jewish Talmud, which is the rabbinic commentary of Jewish law and all their 613 rules, shepherds were deemed dishonest and untrustworthy, and they were not even allowed to give testimony in the court of law. They were not even allowed to go into the court of law and give testimony. Due to the nature of their occupation, they worked seven days a week and they couldn't keep the Sabbath. Because of what they did for a living, they were dirty and they had no ability to keep the ceremonial regulations of the Mosaic law. They were considered by all the Jewish rabbis and the people as unclean liking to prostitutes excluded from fellowship, and kept from the synagogue and the temple worship. And this blows the story up for me. If we were in modern day first century right now, they wouldn't be allowed to come in the doors to hear the good news. There would be someone out there that would say, you are not allowed to come in here to worship God because you are unclean. And this is what makes Christmas so absolutely amazing. The shepherds were banned from church, but the miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of Christmas, is they were unable to go and hear the good news, so the good news came to them. Can I get a hallelujah for that? The good news came to them. God says, look, I know you can't get in. I know man has barred you from listening to me and coming to me, but here's the deal. I want you to know how much I love you. I'm coming to you. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about the Lord saying, you don't have to clean up to get to me. Someone needs to hear that today. You don't have to clean up to get to me. I'm gonna come and meet you right where you're at. And that's my testimony. That is my testimony. I didn't come to the Ark Church that day when I was 19. I was so full of sin. I was so full of brokenness. I, 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 I was so messed up, and I was not met with this. I was met with this, and that's the gospel, You don't have to clean up and go to a discipleship class, and you don't have to know all this scripture. Jesus says, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. Even if you're wearing a Steelers jersey, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Straight up. He even loves you guys. Now, he doesn't like the redskins, but that's a whole different sermon. (laughs) I do have a red shirt. And it's my sorrow for the Chargers. Um, um. so I, I, I really want you to hear this today. The point of the manger, we need to get this revelation as a church. We need to get God's heart here. This is a message and t- challenge to the church. For Jesus, it's not about the whole world going to church. It's about the church going to the whole world. It's not about the church, everyone coming to church. It's about the church going to everyone. And if you miss this, you're missing The manger. That's what Christmas teaches us. That's the message. Jesus, Jesus, he modeled it over and over again. In Mark chapter 5, I absolutely love this. You guys know how much I love how Jesus went after the one. Jesus didn't stay in the synagogue. In fact, he spent the least amount of time in the synagogue. Mark chapter 5, you'll see all his disciples, all his his buddies, they were were hanging out. And he looks to them and says, hey guys, we're going to to the Decapolis together in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, they get into a boat five and a half miles in the middle of a storm to find one man who's possessed by 10,000 demons. The same man like the shepherds who was unclean that would never be allowed to get to church. Jesus says, I'm taking you guys on a field trip because you don't get it this is not about getting just the jews into church it's not about even letting these kind of clean people it's about going after the lost he gets in the boat goes all the way to the decapolis an unclean region for one man sets him free looks at his disciples and says this is why i came the man set free gets back in his boat and leaves and in Luke chapter 19, most amazing story, there's a huge crowd in this little man named Zacchaeus. He was just like the shepherds. He was considered unclean, likened to a prostitute. No one wanted anything to do with Zacchaeus. No one wanted to preach the good news to him. As far as they're concerned, he was unqualified to hear the message of Jesus. Jesus walks through this crowd right up to the tree and looks him right in the eye and says, Zacchaeus, I've come for you. Can I stay at your house? the love and acceptance that Jesus gave the outcast that day, salvation hit his heart before he hit the ground. For one, Jesus says my mission is to seek and save all those who are outside of the gate. And that has to be our mission during Christmas is that once he seeks us out and brings us to be his family, then he radically sends us out. It's like a, I call it a spiritual tornado. He radically pulls us in to radically push us out. Where his mission, Melinda, becomes our mission. And his heart becomes our heart. So we're not just going to church just to, just to get fed or get our needs met. We're going to church to get encouraged so we can get out. Because there's a world that needs to hear the light of the gospel. And Jesus says, it's you. Here is what he says As the Father sent me, so I send you. If you hear anything I say, hear this. Now you are the initiator. Can't be waiting for other people to do it. You can't be waiting for Pastor Catherine, Pastor Scott, and I to do this thing. He says it's you. The Bible says it's pretty powerful in Luke chapter two, going back to the shepherds, He says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about the child. The first thing is that spiritual tornado. Pulls them in, and as soon as they hear, and as soon as they see the incarnation, he goes out with them. Immediately, they didn't go to a discipleship class. They didn't hang out and sing songs. They realized, I'm in mission now. And that's what Christmas is about. So the Lord has been really challenging our youth ministry in this idea of mission. There was a point in time, I don't know if it was three or four months ago, where we started just sitting around and we were having all these strategic meetings of how we can get more kids to come to rise. And all of a sudden we start to realize, you know what, we're not thinking about this right. This is actually not the gospel we need to be thinking: How can we get to them? And we had this thing called a vision meeting. And um, Elizabeth Kane, uh, one of our leaders, um, she started to. We started to have ideas of how can we get outside of the gate? How can we get to them, which is Christmas? And we, she came up with this idea. It was frightening, but she had this idea that um, we were going to have a cookout at Rec Center. Do, do you guys know anything about Rec Center? okay? Um, it's where kids after school, they go to hang out. They, they, they come in droves. They're there to play basketball. Um, uh, the, the good reasons and bad reasons. It's like, it's like a dating service. I swear it is. Um, don't tell Charlotte I told you that, but it's scary. And they're, they're coming in for all these different reasons. They're hungry. They're, they're, they're hanging out looking for a place to belong. And Elizabeth looked at me and said, let's go do youth there. I said, that's risky. How are we gonna get the food? And at that time there was a little bit of a financial pickle and we were gonna have a hundred, we needed about 150 hamburgers to feed these kids. And we said, you know what, this is God, we need to do this thing. And all of a sudden we, we set it up. That very week one of the parents called me and said, I wanna step into this. I'm gonna buy all the hamburgers and hot dogs for you guys. That happened in one day. Don't we serve an awesome God? But listen. so. So we're like, we're gonna do this after school, we're gonna meet there at six, we're gonna do this thing, and we're gonna see what happens. And all of a sudden, the glory of God shows up in the middle of the football field, and the soccer field, and we're right in the middle of it. And we were just gonna feed him and leave, but we're like, no, 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 no. We're gonna worship, we're gonna do this thing. And I got big Matt over here, and he gets up there with his guitar, and you know good things happen when Matt gets his guitar and starts singing. And he gets up there and he starts singing worship and the, the crowd start to come and they start to listen. I've actually got a video of it. You want to see it? We took a video of it. I want to bring you to that moment. On the field, outside of the gate, the glory of God. Watch it. Come on. How awesome is that? So I'm sitting out there, and there's a soccer, a little kid's soccer game going on while we're singing, and there's parents that were stopping, and they were filming what was going on, watching these kids, these outcasts, worship the Lord. Got home and my Facebook was, was filled with different parents. who said, I was watching my son play soccer and all I could hear was praise. And it just hit me so awesome. And, and, and you know what came out of that night? We had 13 new kids come to know Jesus. 13 new kids safe in the father's arms. So here's the thing. How did it happen? I'll tell you how it happened. We took the gospel to their neighborhood. We went into their neighborhood. If we waited for those 13 kids to come, they might never would have come. That's Jesus. So here's my challenge to you. This is my neighborhood, okay? These crazy people right here, this is my neighborhood. I love these guys, What's your neighborhood? You might say, you know, Jamie, I can't reach out to kids. Well, that's okay, because maybe you weren't created. That might not be your thing to do. But you have a neighborhood. You have a neighborhood. And I'm telling you, I can't get into your neighborhoods. I can't. There are people that only you can reach. There are people that would never listen to me in a million years. There are streets that wouldn't receive me, but they'll receive you. What's your neighborhood? I found my neighborhood. I love my neighborhood. But Jesus is asking you, what is your neighborhood? If you know God, you know that you have been strategically placed right where you are. There's that bumper sticker. There's a bumper sticker going around the Outer Banks right now, stuck here on purpose. The Bible says the steps of the, steps of the righteous are ordered by God. It's not a coincidence. It's not random. You're placed strategically where God has you on a certain street to bear the light of the gospel. You say, you know, I don't have giftings. Wherever you are, whatever you do, your home, your job, your family, you might say, Jamie, I'm a stay-at-home mom. What street can I go? Let me tell you something. Those kids are your street. That's your neighborhood. And so my encouragement, my challenge to you is to ask yourself, what, where has God put you? Because I'm telling you, you're the one. You're the one. Mission is not always easy, I'm going to close with this, and it often takes us way, way out of our comfort zones. Is there any Charlie Brown fans in here? All right, you guys like Charlie Brown? Okay, I'm going to end with this, because Charlie Brown does it the best. In 1965, there's a powerful message in this Charlie Brown Christmas. If you know anything about Charles Schultz, my wife loves, loves, loves the comics. She actually has uh, Calvin and Hobbes in that, but she has pretty much every book, every comic from Charlie Brown. It's powerful. Charles Schultz was a Christian. He actually wove the gospel into the, the cartoons more than you'll ever realize. But in this certain thing, um, there's, there's different characters. Charlie Brown and Snoopy and Sally, but there's one character, his name is Linus. Y'all remember Linus? What does Linus always carry around? His blanket. And the whole, the whole idea... The whole idea in the Charlie Brown thing, they're always trying to get Linus to get rid of his comfort zone, his blankie. Okay? It reminds me of Melee, my little Melee. She's always carrying around her blankie. And, and, and they make fun of him and they're joking him, but that's his security blanket. Linus, that's the thing that he holds on to that keeps him gripped in fear. And Pastor Catherine showed me this clip and it blew my mind. But in this Christmas story, Charlie Brown is screaming out, somebody tell me what Christmas is all about. And all of a sudden, Linus, he stands up, we're gonna watch the clip. He stands up, he gets over there and as he's telling the Christmas story, the most amazing thing happens with his blanket. And it is such a challenge for us if we're going to reach this world, we've got to be willing to get out of our comfort zones. I want you to watch this. Pay attention to the blanket. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. <laughs> and there, this is amazing. We're the same country shepherd I love it. I love it. I'm a sucker. If you don't see the message in there, in all of the Charlie Brown stuff, that is the only time that Linus has dropped his blanket. And it's during the message of Jesus and the birth of a Savior. As, Charlie Br- as Linus was saying, fear not, he let go of his blanket. And I'm here to tell you this message. It's the birth of Jesus that separates us from our fears. It is his presence that sets us free to drop our blankets. And because he is with us, we have the courage to step out and be a light to the world. Pastor Scott, would you come? There's a world of people that desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And my challenge to you is, if not you, then who? There's a world that needs you to drop your blankie, let go of your insecurity, and remember that Jesus lives in you. The wicked flee when when no one pursues, but the Bible says the righteous are bold as lions. We have a message to tell this world. So I want to encourage you as we sing, I want to encourage you this Christmas. you remember you are on mission and what is that mission? To seek and save all that has been lost. That you have to carry the light to these people because there's streets that no one else is on and God's put you on that street. He's put you in this neighborhood because he wants his kids to come home. You've got Jesus. You've got the Holy Spirit. You are equipped for every good work. So I challenge you to get out of your comfort zone with the message of Jesus. That is where the joy is. Pray with me. Uh, Father God, I'm just so grateful for Christmas. May we never forget what the reason of Christmas is that you're a seeking Savior and you came to get your kids back into family. So Lord, give us the heart of the Father to go out and search, to go out of our way, to tell people that a Savior has come and been born for them. So I'm believing for miracles this Christmas, Lord. I'm believing for testimony in this church of people in families, in marriages that have restored and healed because of Jesus. So give us the strength to go out Give us the courage to be your hands and feet. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, guys, I'm going to be here. Our, Our prayer team, if there's any of you come, we're going to worship him.